0: Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, I see this verse, Isaiah 9, 6, in, in Christmas cards. It's a, a fun verse, uh, especially this, this time of year, Isaiah 9. Uh, and, and we'll look at verse 6 here in just a moment. But um, So 2024 begins tomorrow, hard to believe. I, uh, I found a, a, a few quotes here. Uh, uh, somebody said, "You know, January first, uh, we spend January first walking through our lives, going room to room, drawing up a list of jobs to be done, cracks to be patched, etc. Maybe this here to balance this list, we ought to walk through the rooms of our lives, not looking for flaws but for potential." I thought that's that's not bad. Uh, as long as we remember where all of our potential comes from. Uh, It comes from God. We have potential, and it's God-given. And in this next year, uh, I I guess you could walk through and, oh, the problem there, problem there, problem there, and we do have problems, and he can help us. But there's potential he's built into us as well. And Lord, by your grace, I want to place all the potential you've given me into your hands. So uh, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, And then this this one was humorous. (laughs) <laughs> this person said, well, you know, you know how I always dread the whole year? Well, not this year. I've determined this year I'm just going to dread one day at a time. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, baby steps, baby steps. Um, of course, Psalm 118 doesn't want us dreading even one day at a time, right? Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. So God doesn't want us dreading each day as though that's a step up from dreading a year at a time. Um, This is also humorous. This person said, I was going to quit all of my bad habits for the new year, but then I remembered that nobody likes a quitter. So there there you go. Um, and then this person had a little, uh, a little blessing here and said, uh, May all your troubles last only as long as your New Year's resolutions. Like, oh, if only, if only. All right, so Isaiah chapter 9. Looking forward to uh, uh, see what God has for 2024. Isaiah 9 verse 6, uh, we see, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is born. Is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, comma, the Mighty God, comma, the Everlasting Father, comma, the Prince of Peace. Five titles for uh, Jesus there. And so uh, that, I'm going to take my title from that first one uh, Wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. I'm going to take a, a, a couple weeks uh, and uh, just, just today I'm going to really create the backdrop that, that this light shone into. Sometimes you don't like light until you're, uh, you're just fed up and frustrated and sickened by the darkness. And then the light is, oh, it's wonderful. So I want to take a little bit of time and, and build some context around this and then we'll get into it a little bit this week and then uh, the next time I'm uh, up here on a Sunday morning we'll, we'll go ahead and finish these ideas but he's wonderful he's wonderful let's pray Lord we love you thank you for your goodness we, we, we thank you for the fact that that we don't uh, step into next year hoping for the best but Lord, we know you, and we know you want the best, and you're capable of giving the best. Uh, so we don't just, it's not power of positive thinking with which we step into this new year. Lord, we're looking to you. You already know everything about this new year, and you want the very best for each of us. Help us, Lord, to remember that you, oh God, and especially here with Jesus, you're wonderful. I pray, Lord, you'd help us as we look at these ideas, and thank you for the precious word of God that we have. I ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. All right, so let's go all the way back, not just to the beginning of this chapter, but let's go to uh, uh, chapter 8 and verse 19. And so we'll kind of work our way from chapter 8, verse 19, up to this, this, these passages right there. So chapter 8, verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. So here they're saying there there will be people that say, oh, you you know what you need. You need to find one of those guys that can offer incantations and they can give sorcery and they can, they can the necromancers, the people that can reach into the spirit world and get advice there or, or to departed loved ones and really they're reaching to demonic influences. That's who you want to reach out to. And sadly enough, back in, back in uh, uh, these Bible days, uh, it was very, very popular. Ah, oh, forget what God has to say. I want something more mysterious. There's more, something more intriguing in the mystery of the occult. And what's interesting is now in America, you think, boy, the, boy those were dark times. You know what? In America, we're seeing dark times uh, uh, you, you, uh you, you drive and you see oh, the, another place that will read tarot cards and palm readings. And you can reach out to uh, some sort of person that can reach into the spirit world. And, and even uh, you, you, get, you get close to October and you see all the Halloween movies that start to pop up. And you, you're, I, I'm scared. You know, I, I just happen to see a preview. I'm like, ah, that's horrifying. What is that? Well, that's, that's the fascination that America and this world has with dark things. And we think if we can put, turn it into a movie show, if we can, if we can have, as a, I, 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 I'm not afraid. Well, you should be. You should be. Dark things, we think that because we can laugh at them, that we're, we're just that mighty. No, there's no mightiness about laughing at dark things and being intrigued by the mystery of dark things. There's no mightiness there. It's utter foolishness. There will be those that say, seek unto familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God? We have a country that's not interested in God, but they're interested in dark things. This country is interested in dark things and running from the things of God. And that's why there's a a darkness in this land of ours and around this world. Because we're not interested in what God has to say. We're intrigued with things we have no business giving attention to. And for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Verse 21, and they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry, Oh, they find hard times. With, with this darkness, they find difficult times. They find despair. They find uh, uh, depression and, and, and dark things in their heart. Like uh, Dr. Volk was talking about with Pastor Olson. They're hardly bestead and they're hungry. It shall come to pass when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God. Where are you when I need you? What? You live a life that has no interest in me. You act like I'm a plague and you turn to this world for all of your intrigue and all of your entertainment and you look to them for all your meaning and then you have the nerve to look up to heaven and say, where are you when I need you? I've always been there. You've acted like I've been nowhere and that I'm nothing. They shall look to the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness and anguish. Darkness, dimness, anguish, depression, despair, darkness, depression, despair, and they shall be driven to darkness. Whenever there's a judgment and darkness, God always has that glimmer of light that you're welcome to be a part of. When you live for darkness, though, the Bible says you don't automatically run to the light. You hate the light, right? The New Testament explains. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Darkness. But God says the light is there. The light is there. There's always, as long as you're breathing, there's hope. But you can get to the point where you're driven to the darkness. Those words ought to be frightening. Nevertheless, we're now in verse 1 of chapter 9. Nevertheless, the, the dimness shall not be as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. So here we're still, we have still have this theme of dimness, uh, the occult uh, in enjoying dark things. The occult brings its own darkness, but then on top of that, God pours out his judgment Oh, there's darkness. There's already darkness. Sin brings its own darkness. But then on top of that, God pours out his judgment. The darkness of sin and, and judgment from God. God would judge in many ways. One being in the form of a vicious enemy, the Assyrians. When Israel displeased God, he would at times give power to their opposing forces. And, and I, I think God does the same thing with us. God, God strengthens those, those forces that would knock us over uh, when we live a life that's not pleasing to Him. That makes me want to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Verse 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And some move toward the light, but others, they look at it and go, oh, i got to get away from there because... That light will expose my evil. So they have seen a great light, and what are you going to do with that great light? That they dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. All enemies would be coming the Assyrians and then eventually the Babylonians and eventually the Persians and, and, and then eventually the Greeks and, and even the Romans in Jesus' day would come and they would come down through the north. These enemies would bring times of great darkness but those who walked in darkness would one day see great light in the person of the Lord Jesus, the light of the world. Isn't it fun? You go out into the darkness, then you look over and you see some, some, some Christmas tree that's all decorated and lit up. Boy, the light pops against the darkness, doesn't it? And you're like, oh, it's so dark and, and dismal, and I feel like it's been dark for hours, and I feel like it's way past my bedtime, and it's only 8.15. Ah, ah, And then you're out, and you're like, oh, look. Oh, the warmth of that light. Jesus, the Ultimate Christmas light against the darkness. Now Jesus would come and spend much of his time in the northern region of Galilee. Uh, The the, the area up there where a lot of this darkness was descending. He would spend, the light of the world would spend a lot of time up there. Uh, Matthew quoted from this there in Matthew 4. Verses 14 through, I'm sorry, verses 13 through 16. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast. Uh, again, the, uh, Capernaum up on the shore of Galilee in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah right here. The prophet saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness Saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Verse 3, back in Isaiah 9. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy. Now this word not, is interesting in here in verse 3, modern translations kind of look at that and say, well that doesn't fit the flow of what's being said. Uh, it must not belong there, they'll just take that word not out. Uh, but that's not what you do with the Bible. That doesn't seem to go with what I'm thinking, let's just take that word out. I'll talk about it here in just a minute, but um, the joy, uh, it says, uh, they joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, verse 4, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden. That brings some joy, doesn't it? When, when the yoke of the enemy's burden is broken, oh, that brings some joy. And the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, as in the days of Midian. So in the times of the judges, there was a time where the, 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 the Midian was a great power that took over Israel. And there's a fun story where God used Gideon uh, to, to overcome the enemy there. They tricked them. They went by nighttime with, with lanterns and trumpets and broke the, broke, the, broke the pottery that was over the lights and blew the trumpets. And in the, in the nighttime, the enemy thought they were surrounded by, by hordes of, of soldiers and they, in, their, in their panic, they killed each other. And the great enemy was defeated. Oh, there, there was joy there. But what's, what he's saying here is, listen, there was joy and deliverance, but you haven't seen anything yet. There is real joy coming in the person, in, the, in this child that will be born, this, this child that's born, this son that's given. You haven't seen anything yet. There, you think there, there's joy and deliverance, what you've seen in the Old Testament? Oh boy, you haven't seen anything yet. And I, that's why I think God put this knot up there. Um, you increase the nation, but not the joy. I think he's saying you haven't seen anything yet. Real joy was coming. Luke 2.10 And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Great joy. Oh, there's some things down here that excite us from time to time. <laughs> but there's nothing like the joy that Jesus brings. Verse 5 For every battle of the warriors with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. War always brings with it fog and fear, blood and burning. But there is coming a day when a special child will be born who will be conqueror of all and he will set right those darknesses and would bring a glorious light. Four, verse six, we've come to our verse. Four. here we go. You like deliverance? You haven't seen anything yet. For! You like joy? You haven't seen anything yet. For! Unto us a child is born. And remember from our viewpoint, when we see a little one that's born, we're like, oh look, a new person. Now with Jesus, he wasn't a new person. From our point of view, a child was born a new person. (laughs) And he wasn't a new person. He had always been, but from our point of view, down here, uh, Matthew gives us this point of view. Luke gives us this point of view. A child is born. Oh, look, a child is born. Unto us a child is born, but more than that, unto us a son is given. Here was a person that didn't start when he was born. He was a son who had already been and was given from heaven's point of view. He was a son who already was. And was given to us from heaven's point of view. Matthew and Luke give us that child is born point of view. John gives us a son who was given point of view. God gave his son who already existed. Not a new person, but a person who always had been. And the government shall be upon his, his shoulder. The word government is only found twice in the Bible. Here and in the next verse. Verse 7. And his name shall be called, and we have these five titles, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the the Prince of Peace. And we'll look at these titles. Um, But for now, let's keep going through verse 7. We'll come back to these titles. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Think about that the increase of the greatness of his government, there shall be no end. It will, you know, like, like a, a, a country might grow in greatness and grow in greatness. And, and, and really, as we look through human history, a, a, a nation will grow to a zenith. A nation will grow to a high water mark. And you can look. So, so what was the zenith of the Roman Empire? What was his, what was his high water mark before it began to decline? What, what was the zenith of the Babylonian Empire before it began to decline? What was the zenith of, you name the nation? And all of them began to decline. But not this one. Not this one. It says of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. There will never be a, a zenith and then from there a decline. There will be no decline. And I'm glad I'm a part of his kingdom already. When I got saved and I said, oh Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? And would you do me the, the honor that I don't deserve to be part of your family and to be a part of your kingdom? Would you let me call you my king? Would you let me do that? Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now, what we think of as, as peace, uh, America, right? We, we're strong enough to keep some peace, but that's only gonna last so long. And even what we call peace is nothing compared to the peace that he will bring. And the strength that we have to keep some semblance of peace in our borders and around this world to some degree, that will come to an end. But the peace that this government will bring, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with judgment from henceforth even forever. Oh, I like that word forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus will rule perfectly with personal vigor, zeal, and enthusiasm. His government will outshine all human governments as the sun outshines the moon. So, again, let's begin looking at these titles. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. I want to look at each of those five names. Uh, First one, he's wonderful. There is no prize that he does not surpass. There is no prize that he does not surpass. Nothing anywhere excels the wonder of who he is. Next, we'll look at he's counselor. There is no problem that he cannot solve. There is no problem he cannot solve. This world offers no real answers. Don't stop when you see, oh, they, they can read my cards. Oh, look, my horoscope. Let me, let me pull that out and see what, what, what the future holds for me. This world has No answers. And yet his counsel has never had a problem with it. It's absolute perfection. Thirdly, he's the mighty God. There is no power he cannot subdue. We are so weak down here. But he is all powerful. Fourthly, he's the everlasting father. You can think of this, he... He's the father of eternity. He's the father of eternity. From him all time flows. He's not bound by time. Time is bound to him and his will. He's the everlasting father. There is no period that he does not span. We can't even fathom what that means, being temporal creatures. And lastly, he's the prince of peace. There is no person he cannot save. Boy, we think of the greatness of our sin. But you don't know how great my sin is. Yes, our sin is great. But we cannot fathom how great his sacrifice was. Even greater than the greatness of our sin was the greatness of his sacrifice. The very Prince of Peace has come and died in our place. Yes, my sin is great. But his sacrifice is greater. So, we won't get through all of these today, but let's start. So number one, I gave you my points in case the Lord returns between now and the next time. So at least you have those. And you can chew on those and start to fill them in and see how similar you were to the rest of my lesson. He's wonderful. There is no prize that he does not surpass. He's not just a wonderful thing, right? There's some beautiful. I've gotten to travel, and see some wonderful things, like out west. I remember as a kid uh, coming across some vista. It it might. I don't remember. I was young. I was with my with my parents, and I. I, I, It might have been part of the Grand Canyon or whatever. We hiked out to this area, and I was just in awe of the the grandeur of what I was seeing. And I even felt a little sick inside, thinking, I can't stay here. I'm going to have to go back and get in my car and leave. This is so beautiful. I, a part of me wants to stay here the rest of my life and just be in awe of that. Uh, but then you travel to a different place. You go, oh, another wonderful sight to behold. Wow! And then you go somewhere else. Wow, another wonderful... But... but Jesus isn't just a wonderful sight to behold. He isn't just a wonderful person to know. He literally is wonderful. Yes, it describes who he is, but it literally is who he is. His title is, he is wonderful. We think of uh, the word superlative. Remember superlative when you were studying English and we could compare things? Uh, superlative from English class—it means best, greatest. Uh, it's a term in grammar used for the highest degree of comparison. You might say, "Now that was a good hamburger." Right? That, that mostly the guys were like, "Oh, I've had some good hamburgers in my day." But then you say, so we, then we can use it in a comparative sense. We can say, "Now that." was a better hamburger than Octave Grill. And that would mean something. If somebody said, I've had Octave Grill hamburgers and they're amazing, this was better. And, and again, I, I, it's a, Octave Grill is a place in town, wonderful hamburger. But if somebody said it's better, you're like, wow. But then using it superlatively, you, if somebody might say, this here is the best hamburger uh, and again, am I holding it widely enough? Is, should it should be like this. This here, <laughs> and, and usually you're, 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 there's a big bite hole out of it and grease going down the side of your, and hopefully not too much on your clothing. You got the bib in there. Like, this is the best. When it comes to Jesus, he is the superlative of all superlatives. He's wonderful, and no one else holds a candle to how wonderful he is. Listen to the psalmist in, in Psalm 139, 1 through 6. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar of off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. And then this is what he says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too wonderful to me. Does the word of God move you to tears? Lord, the way you know me and the way you love me I can't believe that you care about me that much and that you know me that through and through. And yes, next year is in your hands and you know what's best, but you want the best for me as I step into next year. Why do you care about me? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Who am I that thou art mindful of me? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high I cannot attain unto it. We love the chorus, don't we? Wonderful, wonderful Jesus is to me. Counselor, Prince of Peace, mighty God is He. Saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer. Praise His name. There is no prize. He does not surpass. Boy, if you ever find yourself treasuring something or someone more than him, your value system is off. It's out of whack. And you will start making wrong and awful choices in your life. The best thing for you is to realize who truly is wonderful. What truly is wonderful. Wonderful. The written word and the living word of God. Wonderful describes him. But it's literally his title. His name shall be called. Wonderful. There is no prize he does not surpass. Secondly, counselor. Counselor. There's no problem that he cannot solve. This world... Offers no real solutions, but his counsel is always absolute perfection. The world loves to pretend like they have real answers. Almost like children playing house. Uh, I'll be the the dad, you be the mom, and you be the dog, and you be the little, little boy, and we'll pretend like we know what's going on. And that's this world around us. They're pretending they have some answers. And there's only one place to find the real answers in life. And that's by going to the one who is called counselor. He's wonderful. He is counselor. There is no problem he cannot solve. How many thousands of psychologists are there just in the U.S.? People go to them and lay back. And pour out their anger, their frustration, their bitterness, their blame, their hatred, their fear, their envy, and even their guilt. Boy, we have so many professional counselors in this country, don't we? Are things getting better in this country? But for all this professional help, the problems in our society are only multiplying and growing more and more horrendous all the time. There's gender confusion now. You can just take gender off and just say it's confusion. Everything, confusion about everything. When the divine counselor Is a part of your life, light shines. And you you can begin to see what is right and what is wrong. But when that light is not shining, you have confusion about everything. With Jesus, he has never failed to help the one who appealed to him for help. He is counselor. There is no problem he cannot solve. Boy, how much do we treasure him today? If you could take all the the stocks and all the bonds and all the gold and all the silver and all the diamonds and all the currency and pile it from here to the ceiling and put a Bible over there, which one would we choose? Which one would we choose? Our lives are zeroed in on that. But we know that that is the real treasure. Are we living that way or not? Somebody asked a doctor once about the difficulty of managing the, the problems of his patients. So you, you're, you're a doctor, yes. Now you're, you're, your patients have these problems. And is it difficult to manage their problems? And he says, not really. <laughs> uh, more times than not, we know what the issue is and we know what should be done about it. It's not the managing the problem that's the issue. It's managing the patient. Getting them to follow my instructions. We know what they should do and they just don't want to do it. So no. It's not usually an issue of managing the problem. It's more of an issue of managing the patient. Because we often can tell them what they need to do. But a lot of times they're just not interested. He is wonderful. He is counselor. But are you listening as he counsels? He always knows what the problem is. And he always knows how to fix it. And it's up to us to just do what he says. With obedient faith. Colossians 2 2 through 3 says, That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. There is no problem he cannot solve. We'll stop there for today. Next time, we'll look at the mighty God. No power. He cannot subdue. And then we'll see the everlasting father. No period. He does not span. And then we'll conclude with the prince of peace. No person. He cannot save. Let's go ahead and close our eyes.